0: So I was recently asked, how, how are you doing? like a, a pretty simple question to, uh, to be asked, but I, I was baffled by it. My mind went completely blank, and, and I stared at this person sort of blinking, and, and blinking as if I was a computer struggling to process a lot of information. Eventually, I realized that this was sort of awkward. So I, I said something like, um, I don't know. I don't know how I'm doing. How are you? Oh, good, thanks. And then the conversation continued. But I've been thinking about that a lot recently because it made me realize that I obviously haven't been paying attention to life. I mean, I've been experiencing life, but I haven't been paying a whole lot of attention, which is sort of ironic because that's what we've been talking about here in church for who knows how long. Um, who knows how long because I haven't been paying attention. How long have we been, have we been having this conversation? Uh, specifically talking about paying attention. Paying attention to God, paying attention to one another, paying attention to what's happening in our, in our own lives. Um, and, and this is what this season of, of Epiphany is all about. Um, learning to see more clearly and more honestly. So last week we had communion or the Lord's Supper, and we talked about this ritual or this spiritual practice um, and how eating together, even, even in general, how we eat together with other people um, is a way for us to pay attention, to, to pay attention to one another and, and to God. It's, it's an opportunity for us to slow down, to look people in the eyes, and to savor a meal, to savor our time together, to savor life in general. And so it was sort of ironic that that Andrea was savoring the music that we had here, and I'm looking around and saying, "Come on, hurry up! Like, let's let's stop savoring things. Let's let's move on to the next step," which is, as I talked about last week, sort of part of our American fast food culture, right? Where, where life is too short to savor things, because we're we need to move on to the next thing to enjoy. We need to move on to to more consumption and. And, and, and more to enjoy and, and more to accomplish. We, we just don't have time to slow down and, and savor things. Which is perhaps why it's helpful that we have these spiritual practices. I mean, you have to have asked the question, if you grew up in church or in any religious setting, you've had to ask the question before, why are we doing this? What does this mean? This seems strange and unusual, but this is why we have spiritual practices so that we can slow down and pay attention. If we don't have these practices, there's a good chance that, that we might not know how to answer the question, how are you doing? So this week, our spiritual practice is called the examine, which sounds nice, like to examine what's happening in life. And, and our Bible reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 30. So let's listen, beginning at verse one. When all these things have happened to you, the blessings, And the curses that I have set before you, if you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, and you and your children obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, just as I am commanding you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, gathering you again from all the peoples among whom the Lord your God has scattered you even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth. From there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there, he will bring you back. And then skipping down to verse 11. Surely, this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us? and get it, so that we might hear it and observe it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross over to the other side of the sea and get it for us, so that we may hear it and observe it? No, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth, and it's in your heart to observe. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, there are all kinds of ways of being scattered. Here in Deuteronomy, they're looking ahead, actually way ahead to the great Babylonian exile when God's people were literally physically scattered because of an invasion where some were killed or captured, where others fled and the rest were left behind in the rubble of a destroyed city and a destroyed nation. And today, refugees and asylum seekers around the world are also physically scattered because of war, natural disasters, violence, economic injustice, and food scarcity, among other things. This, according to Deuteronomy, is a result of us not paying attention to what is life-giving and what is not. What is a blessing and what is a curse? So as an example of the blessings and curses that Deuteronomy talks about, we hear in Deuteronomy 15, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in the land. This is a blessing, not just to the poor, but also to everyone. Because as we talked about last week, Dr. James Cohen said, we're created for each other not against each other, that we're connected. So what happens to another person impacts us in our lives. And then Deuteronomy 27 says, but cursed is anyone who deprives the immigrant, the orphan, or the widow, the most vulnerable in our society, justice. When we choose war, people are scattered. When we choose to neglect the environment, people are scattered. When we choose capitalist greed over, at the very least, capitalism that is grounded in social responsibility, people are scattered. So consider this, this one comparison from our, our last two years. The pandemic has pushed 100 million people, 100 million more people, into extreme poverty raising the total to 700 million people human beings mostly women and children living on less than one dollar and 90 cents a day less than 700 dollars a year obviously the the pandemic has impacted all of us so so it's also had an, a profound impact on the world's wealthiest on average, during this pandemic, the 10 wealthiest people in the world, I think all white men, increased their wealth by $15,000 per second, for a total of $700 billion. Ten people. The wealthiest doubled their wealth, while the world's poorest became dramatically poorer. And it's estimated that that this trend will take a decade to to resolve when when the money that that the world's wealthiest lost in the the first moments of the pandemic, they they regained it within months and and, and more. Collectively, as a nation and as a world, we're not paying attention to what is good and to what is life-giving. We haven't been paying attention for a long, long time. the good news is that before the pandemic, extreme poverty was trending downwards significantly. Which means that there's there's hope, there's optimism, but only if we pay attention even more collectively than we were before. Now, those are all so so difficult um, things to even grasp or or, or understand. But even beyond this, I think that our, in our own personal lives, we can understand that concept of being scattered as distance or separation physically, emotionally, or emotionally from other people, from our family, from our friends, or even, even from God. This pandemic has certainly created distance between us. And then if you think about sort of your own inner, inner world, we, we can become scattered or fragmented internally, so that the next time someone asks you how you're doing, you stare at them blinking over and over again, mindlessly, not knowing how to answer. So, what Moses is saying is that there are ways that lead to life and there are ways that lead to death, and that being scattered begins with not paying attention to what is a blessing and what is a curse. So, the solution, obviously, to all of this is what he says to to call these things to mind. Call these things to mind, the blessings and the curses. Pay attention to what is good and what is destructive so that we can intentionally make the choice for life. How much of life is just sort of directed by inertia or because my parents did it this way or because I don't want to do it the way my parents did it, but we actually aren't making intentional choices to choose. Intentionally calling these things to mind are our way is a way that God will gather us back together and that God will make us whole. Which, which brings us to the year 1521 in Pamplona, Spain, where a military officer named Ignatius was hit by a cannonball. Thankfully, he survived, but he had two severely broken legs, and so recovering. In a long, long recovery and bored out of his mind, he asked those who were taking care of him for books about knights and their epic adventures. Instead, they gave him books about monks, (laughs) which honestly feels sort of like ordering like a a double shot vanilla latte with oat milk, but having the barista say, "Um, well, we have tap water. How, How does that sound? But, Surprisingly, and to his own surprise, Ignatius was captivated by these stories. So after recovering, he left the Spanish military, symbolically laying his sword before the statue of a black Virgin Mary, or the, the black Madonna of, of Montserrat in, in Spain. He, he became a monk and eventually helped to form within the Catholic Church what is known as the Society of Jesus, or, or the Jesuits. You might have, have heard of the Jesuits. So when Ignatius noticed that his students were having a hard time slowing down and paying attention because of of all of life, both the, the, the excitement of life and the demands of life, he gave them this simple practice, the examine. And the basic idea behind this is to reflect each day or each week or whatever time period that we're reflecting upon, to call to mind and to think about those things. How, how did we experience life? Did we experience it as life-giving? And, and what things were, were more dry and, and lifeless? He called these two things, consolations and desolations, but a little practical tip. Um, if you ask somebody about their consolations and desolations, be prepared for them to stare back at you mindlessly. <laughs> What we're really just talking about is sort of the best parts of our day and the worst parts of our day, sort of. The highs and lows, or, or some people just call this sort of like, like thorns and roses. Um, reflecting upon what happened and how we experienced it. Now, now this can be done individually. It, 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 I think originally it was intended to be done in individually, but, but our family has, has tried to do this anytime we eat dinner together, which it isn't necessarily It wasn't particularly easy with, with everybody moving and, and doing different things. But, but somehow, um, when we started doing this, we ended up calling this practice Roses and Onions. Which doesn't really make sense for a lot of us, because there are some in our family who are like, well, I like roses and onions. And there are others in our family who could care less about either. So we've argued quite a bit, actually, about why we name it this, but at the end of the day, we always come back to, to roses and onions, I guess because it's a ritual. It's, it's a practice. Um, I, I know that one of our, let's just say one person in the family um, last week wanted to call it video games in school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, it's a very simple way of paying attention to the, the contrasting experiences that we have in life. You don't have to fix anything initially. You don't have to make anything up. It's just a spiritual practice. Or if you don't like spiritual practices, it's just called a practice of paying attention to reality, which connects us to ourselves and it connects us to one another and it can connect us to God. Plus, at, at an even deeper level, um, the, the simple practice can help us see things that we find really hard to see. So there are some in our family who when we ask this question immediately say, everything is bad, nothing was good. Okay, so I mean, that's your honest experience sort of, of, of life. So pick one bad thing and tell us about it. Pick one good thing if you can and tell us about that. And even on the worst days for the most pessimistic person, there's usually something to be thankful for if we just take the time to slow down and pay attention. Now, on the other hand, we have people in our family who are like, everything is great, nothing was bad. Okay, fantastic, but tell us about one good thing and and try to tell us about one thing that was difficult for you. Because even for the most optimistic person, noticing our struggles, noticing our pain is important too. We're all human and we experience all of it. So call these things to mind and God will gather us together. Call these things to mind and God will make us whole. This isn't too difficult, we're told. Because paying attention isn't something that requires us to to go into heaven so that we might find it. It doesn't require us to cross over to the other side of the sea so that we might find it. No, verse 14 says, the word is very near to you, to us. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart for you to observe, for us to notice. So it's okay to pay attention to our lives. It's okay to pay attention to our experiences. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. This is what life lays before us all of the time. And if we want to intentionally choose life, we need to see more clearly and more honestly what is actually a curse and what is a blessing for us, and for everyone. Please pray with me. Jesus, we pray that you would open up our eyes to see more clearly ourselves, to see one another, and to see you present in all of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.